Um, all right, this evening, um, uh, obviously, uh, Pastor Joel and his wife, they are up in uh, Wisconsin, I believe it is. Uh, Brother Joel uh, graduated um, with his master's this past weekend, and so uh, they were able to go up there. And so their class, uh, the um, young adults are all in here tonight. And so I did tell Brother Joel last week, I said, tell them, if they, since they know they're going to be in our class, if they have any questions uh, I will open it up for them, or really for anybody, uh, but especially for them since they're going to be in here. I know sometimes they don't get to uh, ask the questions, be a part of that like, uh, like what we used to be. So, um, okay, it's up to you. You're not in the young adult class, Brad. Oh, good. Great. Amen. That's great. Very good. That's how, that's how he knew. I, I didn't put that together. Thank you, Jeff. Cheater. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah. Amen. Jude knew where it was at, huh? There you go. All right. These kids are smart. I'm telling you. Yeah. There's something happens though. Once they, once they get out of high school and they go into like the young adult class, they, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you should see these young ladies like, What's that? Oh, man, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, anybody have any questions tonight? Any, especially the young adults? If any of the young adults have a question you'd like to ask, and they, this is a time you can ask any biblical question or anything like that, maybe about the Bible or how to answer somebody, I open it up to anyone. It doesn't have to just be the young adults, although I will take their questions first if they have any. Anybody? Okay, now the young adults are, you're, you're, you're out of time, right? Okay, Jeff, young adult over here. Yes. Right. Yep. So it's probably, uh, let me see, is it um, it's either, either Obadiah or Nahum? Uh, let's see. No, I don't think it's Nahum. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's Obadiah. Uh, I think it's probably Obadiah. Um, Thus saith the Lord concerning Edom, we have heard a rumor from the Lord. I have made thee uh, small among the heathen, thou art greatly despised. Does that sound right? Yeah, in fact, even if you, um, if you hold your place here in, um, in Obadiah um, and go back even to um, Romans chapter 9, and this is kind of a a passage that those who are uh, Calvinists will hold to. Um, in Romans chapter 9, they will, um, again, trying to show that God has chosen some people to, uh, to be saved and some people not to be saved. Uh, they will come to Romans chapter 9, and um, basically in 
Um, if you go up to verse uh, number uh, 10, and not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to the election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth, it was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Well, that sounds kind of severe, right? Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated, Right? And so they say, well, look, you see here that Jacob was chosen to be loved by God and Esau was chosen to be hated by God, right? Um, and so they kind of go through this, this whole process here about, you see, God chooses people to be saved and God chooses people not to be saved, right? But again, if you'll look at the context and what he's talking about here when he says, Jacob have I hated, Esau have I, or Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated, he's not talking about the individual people. He's talking about nations, Right? What are the two nations that came from Jacob and Esau? And this kind of goes into answering your questions. What nation came from Jacob? Israel. Israel. What nation came from Esau? The Edomites, right? So the Edomites are the descendants from Esau, right? And again, when you go back, come back here to Obadiah and look what God specifically says about the Edomites, right? Um, And so specifically, notice what he says in verse number two, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, who shall bring me down to the ground, right? So when he's talking about the Edomites, the Edomites were a very, very proud people. They said, we don't need God. Again, remember, uh, you have Abraham, and he has Isaac, and then Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau, um, and you have the whole, um, you know, the whole brotherly rivalry that's going on, Right? Um, and you know, Esau of course is the, the hunter, right? And Jacob is the, uh, kind of the, the shepherd there. Um, and Jacob deceives Esau, uh, and gets the birthright and then, uh, gets the blessing. And so there's, there's an animosity between Jacob and Esau. There's a kind of a hatred there. Um, but when you come back to it again, sometimes we just brush over things, but what, why was, why did Jake, why was Jacob able to get the birthright from Esau? Does anybody remember? Oh, it was, it was a little bit of deception, but not really. Because to be deceived means you, you don't know what you're doing, right? Esau knew exactly what he was doing. Esau wasn't deceived when he gave his birthright. Does anybody remember what, what the Bible says about that? He despised his birthrights right? Esau despised his birthright, right? And again, this is why when you you think about this, God, yes, Jacob and Esau had not done anything, but God knew what they were going to do. God knew that Jacob, even though, yes, deceitful as he might be, he was going to follow the God. Um, Esau, though, God knew that he was not going to care anything about God. And that's why when it came to his birthright, it wasn't that Jacob deceived him out of his birthright. Esau just said, I don't care about it. I don't care about this birthright. I don't care about this plan of God. That was Esau's response, right? He said, I don't care about it. All I care about is me, okay? And so it wasn't that Jacob, and again, Jacob did do some deceiving, especially with the blessing towards the, towards the end of that, that whole thing. But the birthright wasn't really, de- he didn't deceive. Yes, he, he said, look, you know, and again, I, 
Was Esau exaggerating a little bit when he said, you know, hey, give me some of this porridge or else I die? I think he was probably exaggerating a little bit. And so Jacob said, well, all right, well, give me your birthright. You give me the birthright and I'll give you the porridge. Well, if it really meant something to Esau, he would have been like, no way, man. I can, I can go to, to mom, I can go to dad and they'll give me something to eat or I can find somebody else to give me something to eat. But he despised his birthright. He cared nothing about it. He didn't care anything about this plan that God had, that God was going to take the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and, and make a great nation. And he said, I don't care about any of that. I don't care about God. I don't care about any of this. And so when we come back to the, the Edomites, this all their, their pride and their arrogancy all stems from Esau. And this is why God said, look, I, yeah, I, I hate Esau. I hate Edom because of their pride. Not the people, but their actions. I hate them because of what they're doing. The pride that they have, that they're just basically saying, I don't need God. I don't need God, Right? He goes on, thou, thou, uh, though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. He said, you have, you have lifted yourself up so high, you think you're so great, you think you're so um, impregnable, right? That because of this, they, they built these city among the rocks, and they said, nobody can conquer us, and we are just undefeatable, and, and we're so good, and we've done all these different things. And it was all about them, Right? It was all about their pride. And so when you go through, um, and even how they uh, responded, look, if you go, drop down, let's see. Um, uh, I mean, we could, I don't, we don't want, really want to read the whole chapter. It's not that long. It's just one, one chapter, if you want to call it a chapter. But uh, look in verse number 10. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. And again, if you... Remember, as we were going through some of the, uh, the history of, of Israel, as we're going through our study on, on Monday, uh, Monday um, Wednesday nights, about those that um, uh, did the Israelites wrong, right? Remember when, um, when Israel was coming out of Egypt, right? And they were wanting to cross through the land of the Edomites. And they said, nope, you can't. They said, we'll even pay you. We'll pay you for your water. We'll pay you for, for food or whatever. Nope. You come through here, we will kill you. They, they cared nothing about, and, and again, these were supposed to be re- relations, right? They, they go back to brothers. But they said, we don't care anything about you. We don't care anything about God. Uh, we don't care anything about anybody except for ourselves. And so God says, because of that, because you have lifted yourself up, um, notice, in the day that thou stoodest on the other side, and the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces, and foreigners entered into his gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast as one of them, but thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother and the day that he became a stranger, neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction, neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. Thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Yea, thou shouldest not have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. So again, they're, they're taking advantage of, of the difficulties that Israel is going through because of other enemies as well. They, there's just a, there's a hatred for Israel. There's a hatred for, for God's plan through, through the Edomites um, and, and what God is trying to do through Israel. Um, so, um, yeah, again, you can, you can read through that, but there is, there, there is just a, there is a hatred from Edom of the things of God 
and of God's people. And so God says, look, I, I'm not going to put up with that. I'm, I'm not going to put up with it. Um, and so that's why even when we come to Romans, and again, this is a passage that people will use to say, well, you know, it wasn't, um, you know, Jacob and Esau, they didn't have a choice in, in what they did. Yeah, they did. They had a choice. Every, every person has a choice in how they respond to God. Esau didn't have to, to hate his birthright. Esau, Esau could have accepted it and said, hey, this is God's plan, and, and I want to follow God, and I'm going to follow what Abraham, my grandfather, did, and what my father Isaac has done in following God's plan. But he said, no, I don't care about it. I, I don't want to have anything to do with it, right? And so that's why you have this, this pride of Esau and this pride of Edom, and God says, all right, fine, you, you brought this on yourself. And so it's not that... It's not that God is saying, well, hey, you know, I'm just picking and choosing, flip a coin, all right, heads, you get hated, tails, you get loved, all right, sorry, you're out. No, it was because of their actions and what they had done that God says, you have brought this judgment upon, upon yourself in all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and again, that's why you, you've got to be careful in how we, we look at Scripture. We don't there is, there's, two, there's two words, and, and these are really big, I don't want to say big words, but there's what is called exegesis and eisegesis. Anybody ever heard of those words before? Anybody? A couple of you? Our college students have heard of them. All right, that's great. Very good. You are learning something in college. Man, that is great. All right, explain exegesis and eisegesis. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. Oh, all right, go ahead. All right. Can, you, can, you, can, you, can one of you college students explain it? There's a couple back here. Can you explain it? Can you do it? Go ahead. Yeah. You're getting an A in college, aren't you? That is gr- No, she's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> that is exactly right. That's exactly right. Exegesis is reading the scripture and letting the scripture say what it says, right? Eisegesis is I have my own ideas and I'm going to make my ideas fit into scripture. So I'm going to make scripture say what I want it to say, right? You understand? So there's exegesis, which I'm just pulling out what is there. I'm not adding anything to it. I'm not trying to put my own opinion into it. I'm just pulling it out. It's right there, right? That's where we, we have our, um, our expository preaching, right? Just going verse by verse. Here's what it says. This is it. We're not putting anything into it. It's, this, is, this is it right here, right? So exegesis, right? And then eisegesis is I want, well... So again, for example, I, I used this illustration the other, uh, it was a week ago or two weeks ago or something like that. Eisegesis is where a man who calls himself a pastor, um, who is uh, a homosexual, but can call himself a pastor, says that when Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave and said, Lazarus, come forth, that that means that what, God, what Jesus is saying is everybody just needs to come out and be what you need to be. That's eisegesis. You understand? You're, you're, you're trying to take a phrase where Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And you're trying to take your own twisted ideas and put it into scripture. That is not anywhere in the context of that passage at all. Nowhere. Okay? That's eisegesis. Exegesis is saying, 
There was a dead man there, and Jesus came and said, Lazarus, come forth. And a dead man, who had been dead for four days, came, rose back from the dead, came out of the grave alive. Jesus has the power to do anything. He has the power to call the dead. He has the power. I mean, he is, he is God. That's exegesis. That's, that's what it says, right? I'm not trying to add anything to it. That's, that's what it says, okay? So there's exegesis and eisegesis. I am, I am, I'm really impressed with some of you guys. That's, that's really impressive. I, I didn't learn it till two weeks ago. So, you know, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> some of you believe that, but that's okay. <laughs> so, again, we have to be careful that we don't try to put into Scripture what is not there, Right? We, we don't want to add to it. We don't want to make Scripture just say what we want it to say. And that's why, right, that is why it is so important that we follow what Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, right? We have to study the word of God. And unfortunately, so many times is we'll just listen to what someone says. You're like, oh, that sounds good. And we follow it, but we don't ever really study to find out, is that what the scripture says? Is that what God said in his word? Or is somebody trying to fit something into it? Right. Um, And so we've we've got to be careful about that. Right. Uh, And so make sure that when when you hear things again, that's why it's so important that we study the word of God. And and I'm going to be. I'm going to be brutal here right now, okay? So it's not only my job to study the Word of God. It's not only my job. Now, it is my job. I'm the pastor. I am to study the Word of God. But it's not just my job. It's your job too. Your job is to study the Word of God, okay? That's every one of us. As Paul is writing, he's writing to Christians, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's not just pastors that need to rightly divide the word of truth. It's every Christian needs to rightly divide the word of truth. Every one of us needs to be able to say, wait a minute, that's not what the scripture says. That's not what it's saying here. You know what? Yeah, that is, that is what he's saying here. That's exactly right. I didn't, I didn't recognize it, but it's, it's right. It's right there. I, I see that now. That's, that's, that's true. And that happens. You, you can read a passage so many times and, and then you'll hear, hear someone preach or, or you'll be studying the scripture like, I never saw that before. Now, has it, did the verse change? No, the verse didn't change, right? The verse doesn't change. It's just, you didn't see it before, right? It was there, but we just didn't take the time to really study and examine it, okay? And that's why it's so important that we study the word of God, not just reading it flippantly, not just to get done with our five-minute devotion thing, but really take this time to think it through, study it. Why does he say it? What is he saying? Who's he saying it to? What's the background here? I mean, what really is going on in this passage? Okay? Um, and that, that takes more than just reading a chapter a day or two, right? Um, and unfortunately, there's, you know, too many Christians aren't willing to take the time to really study the Word of God. Um, well, I've got to get my chapter done or my two chapters done, and so I can say I read my Bible today. Well, what good is reading it if you don't get anything out of it? If you can't remember what you read, and I'm not saying you have to remember every verse that you read, but if you can't go back an hour later and say, what, what did I read this morning? I, I, 
Was I even in the New Testament or the Old Testament? I don't remember. Something's not working right there, okay? Uh, Again, I'm not saying you have to remember every single verse that you read, but you ought to be able to remember something, something from from your, your Bible reading, something that God spoke to your heart about, something that you're studying, something that you're pondering on, you're thinking about, right? Um, got to study the Word of God, right? And that's why it's important, okay? Because that you're going to have people that are going to say, hey, you know, the Bible says this. And they can pull, they, they'll pull out a verse. D- did you know that the, the, the devil is not afraid to use Scripture? The devil's not afraid to use Scripture. He did it to Jesus. He used Scripture against Jesus. Can you imagine that? He took Jesus' own words, the Word of God, and tried to use them against him. And somehow we don't think that he's going to do that to us? You don't think he's going to try to use Scripture with us? Sure they will, right? And sometimes it's going to look like, wow, that, that's really what they're trying to get me to, to see. Be careful, right? Get in there, study it, okay? All right, study it, study it out, okay? Good question, very good question, right? Um, Anybody else have a question? That sparked something? Yes, ma'am. Um, well, Proverbs would have been written um, before. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Some of it would have been. Um, because obviously you have, you have the Edomites all throughout Israel's history until God judges them later on, right? So, yes, they, some of the Proverbs that Solomon would have wrote and David would have wrote and these others, they would have been there. But whether they would really have known about them because they, again, they... They didn't care anything about God, right? Um, and again, it's, it's really interesting. Some of the minor prophets, I'm trying to remember if it's three or four. When we think about the minor prophets, we think about all the prophets being prophets to Israel, right? Prophets to Israel. Two of the minor prophets were to, the, were to Nineveh, the Assyrians, right? You have Jonah, which everybody thinks about Jonah. Uh, but then you also have Nahum, who was a prophet to the Ninevites, right? You have, um, where were we just at? Thank you, Obadiah, that is to the Edomites. And is there one more? I'm trying to think if there's one more. I was wanting, I know there's three or four. I can't remember if there's another one. Um, But you did have prophets that God would send to other nations as well. Now again, here's, and this is, this, is a really, really good, this is a really good question because what was the purpose of Israel? It was God, yeah, it was God's people, but what was the purpose of Israel? The purpose of Israel is that they were to be God's people in showing God to the rest of the world. Right? Israel itself was to be a prophet to the rest of the world. 
That's why, that's why God says they were chosen. They were not chosen to be saved, right? That's why even Paul says, I would give my life for Israel if they would be saved. Well, why would he give his life if they're already chosen to be saved? Because they're not chosen to be saved. They were chosen for a purpose. Israel was chosen by God, not for salvation. And again, this is where the, these, these, the Calvinists and this Reformed theology gets so twisted in thinking that being chosen means you're chosen for salvation. That's not what it meant. Not at all. Israel was not chosen. Just because you were a Jew did not mean you automatically got to go to heaven. Well, you're chosen. You're God's people. You get to go to Sorry. There were a lot of Jews that did not go to heaven. But God chose Israel for a purpose, and that purpose was that they were to be an example to the rest of the world. They were to show God to the rest of the world. They were to live in such a way that the rest of the world would be able to see God through them. Does that sound like something today? What does that sound like today? The church. The church, the church, when we are saved and we are part of the church, the church is to be the prophet to the rest of the world, if you could call it that. We're not prophet, but as that example, we are to, the church is to be the witness to the rest of the world of who our God is. That's why we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is given to the church. That was Israel's purpose. God chose Israel to be that witness to the rest of the world But what became the problem? Israel said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to be that witness to the rest of the world. In fact, we're not even going to be a witness to our own family. And what happens? God has to bring judgment upon both Israel and Judah because of their sin and their wickedness. So instead of being what God wanted them to be and being that witness to the world, they now bring it all in about themselves. Now it's all about us. Now it's all about you've got to follow our rules and you've got to do all these different things or, or you can't, you know, God hates everybody else. And so they, they totally left what God had planned for them, what he had chosen for them. So that's why now God not only is having to send prophets to Edom and to Nineveh and to these other countries, but now God has to send prophets to his own people. The ones who were supposed to be the prophets to be the witness. Now God has to send a witness to his own people who are supposed to be the witnesses. It's funny how history repeats itself. Isn't it? We have lots of churches around the United States. In fact, I, I don't... I, probably going to get my numbers wrong and if i if i'm i'm way off please forgive me but i know it's something similar to this i believe the numbers are close that 80 percent of churches are in america think about that 80 percent of churches we're talking about bible believing churches 80 percent of them are in america and america Last I checked, with a population of almost 8 billion people in the world, America only has about 350 million. And yet 80% of the churches are in America. Why are we having to beg 
Christians in churches to let their young people to go to be missionaries? Why are we having to beg Christians to go to foreign countries? Because we who have been chosen to be the witness are not being the witness. And now, unfortunately, we're having prophets, we're having preachers trying to stir up churches to be the witness who are already supposed to be the witness. Because we're not being the witness that God has called us to be. Yeah, we're still sending out missionaries, but it's sad that now we have missionaries coming to America. Missionaries being sent to America. Again, and I'm not, please don't, please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. America is not Israel. The church is not Israel. That is not what I'm saying. Israel and the church are two different institutions. Israel is a country. The church is made up of all believers in Christ. Okay? Not the same at all. But we kind of follow a lot of the same patterns, unfortunately. And so, yes, there were going to be things that they understood that God hated because of the Jewish nation, right? The Jewish nation, there were times when they would and the prophets would say, look, this is, God is against this. God hates this. Don't do it. And the Edomites just didn't care. Just like many of the nations around them didn't care, right? The the Canaanites and the Hittites, they, they didn't care about God. They didn't care what they did. All they cared about was themselves. I mean, again, that's, that's why they would even be willing to take their own children and offer them as sacrifices, child sacrifices, because they just didn't care. They're just going to do what they want to do, right? So yes, yeah, Proverbs, you know, is it 616? I think it is. Is that what you said? Yes. Proverbs 616, these 16s that the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination. But again, if, if you don't care what God says, does it, is it going to matter? It's not really going to matter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't even believe in God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All, All they all they cared about was themselves. Their their pride, their their strength, their power, their ability, um, and they they cared nothing about God. Um, and, and again, you, you see that, again, not just with the Edomites. I think the reason why God specifically calls out the Edomites is because of the relationship they had. They were, they were a child of Jacob. I'm, I'm sorry, a child of Isaac, right? Because Isaac had Jacob and Esau. And so there, there was the potential of, of both these men being used by God. But one just said, I don't care. Just like you had Cain and Abel, right? Cain, the oldest, says, I don't care what God says. I'm going to bring it my way and when I want to do it. Abel says, I'm just going to follow God and do what God says. God accepted one, rejected the other. And yet God still gave them an opportunity. God said, Cain, if you'll do it right, if you'll just do what I've told you to do, I'll accept it. Cain said, nope, not going to do it. I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's when Cain is now rejected. Cain is cursed. Same thing. And, and when, we, when you have a people that say, we don't care anything about God, we're gonna, we hate God. Um, look, I, I truly believe, and um, I truly, truly believe the only reason, <laughs> the only reason 
that America is still hanging on by a thread is because of churches and Christians in America. Because if you look at what the world wants to do in our country and how they're pushing to do these things, right? If it was not for Christians, if it was not for churches standing up for what's right, and again, I I don't think they're doing enough. I, I think we need to be doing more for the cause of Christ. But if it wasn't for what they were doing, look, 60, 70 million children being aborted in the last 50 years or so, that's nothing compared to what, what they want to do. It's nothing. That, that is literally a drop in the bucket compared to what their agenda really is. And the only thing stopping it, and I, and I understand God, I'm pleased to understand, I'm not trying to limit the power of God. I, I'm, God is working through people and individuals in the church to withhold some of that. If, if America... If, if the churches and, and Christians were, were taken out or if we stopped standing for what is right, it would not take five years for this country to be nothing. Nothing. But I believe it is because of Christians, because of churches, because we are still training young people to serve the Lord, and have a desire to serve the Lord, that we are hanging on by a thread. And that thread's getting thinner and thinner every day. But that is what happens when you turn your back on God and say, God, we hate you, we want nothing to do with you. Again, we're going through it in Hosea. Look, look what happens to Israel. God's people, the chosen people of God. We, we hate you. We don't want anything to do with you. Just leave us alone. We're going to do our own thing. God says, well, I chose you to be a witness, and you're not being that witness. And so what does God do? God sets them to the side. God says, I still need a witness, though. So I'm going to raise up the church. I'm going to raise up the church to be the witness. Are we being that witness? Because that's our, that's our purpose. That's what we are chosen for. Again, not we're chosen for salvation, but those who have accepted Christ as their Savior, they're chosen for a purpose, right? Our purpose is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, to be that witness for God. But instead, what happens is we get so consumed with our own agendas and our own plans and our own desires and everything else that we don't really care what God's purpose is. And we see the results of that in our country, just as we saw the results in many of these countries when you turn your back on God. Somebody else have a question? I thought I saw another hand somewhere. No? Yeah, Eden. Um, so there's a generation that curseth their father, doth not bless their mother. There's a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There's a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There's a generation whose teeth are as swords, their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among men. 
Um, the horse leech hath two daughters crying, give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Yea, four things say not, it is enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not filled with water, the fire that saith it is not enough. I think, and again, I, there, there's no doubt that there have been generations throughout history that this has happened to. I think you can find this in every generation. Every generation you're going to have this. You're not going to have every person in every generation doing this. But you do think about like what happened after Joshua, right? After Joshua, the Bible says that Joshua, in Joshua's day, the children of Israel served the Lord. The days of those that were after Joshua, they served the Lord. But then the Bible says after they passed away, the Bible says there arose another generation which knew not the Lord nor the works that he had done. And when you read that passage, you find that it says that they did, every man did that which was right in their own eyes, right? There's always a generation that thinks that they're doing what is right in their own eyes. Is it the entire generation? Is it the entire group of people? No, not necessarily, not in every generation. Um, there have been times like that where you have a whole group of people, um, I don't know if you could say there's a specific generation that maybe this is referring to. Um, I think, again, I think you can see it in every generation. There's a group of people that are like that. Um, even Christians that have basically said, we, you know, we don't really care what God says. We're going to live our life the way I want to live it. But I do believe that if, if, you, if you look at Scripture you get more and more and more of that generation when you have less and less and less people standing and serving God and doing what is right. That's what happened with Joshua and that generation. They passed off the scene and they hadn't taken the time to teach others and to train them. You find what's happening you know, through the whole nation of Israel in the northern kingdom all just following Rehoboam and how, or excuse me, Jeroboam and how he started it. And um, just, no, and even, even when you had the prophets come in, there's just no desire at all to serve God. Was that everyone? No. There were a few. I mean, you find some in Judah that still serve God, and you find kings that, even though most of the kings after Solomon, most of the kings were bad, both in the North Kingdom and the South Kingdom. Um, all of those in the Northern Kingdom were bad. Most of them in the southern kingdom were bad, but you did have some that were good. There were some that tried to bring revival, that tried to go back to the things of God and tried to stir up the things of God and the people of God. And you had, every once in a while, you would have those that came along. But when, when people who know God do not, do not have a heart to follow God and to teach others to follow God, you will always get that generation. That's why it's so important that what we do with our children and our children's ministries. It's not just a babysitting game. We don't have children's ministries just to babysit kids. That's not what it's about. We have children's ministries because we want to make sure that we are investing in these children so that they are the next generation. And yes, there might be a world that cares nothing about God, but we want to at least make sure that there are some. We want to make sure that there are some that still love God. But here's the thing, how are they going to follow and learn if there's not an example being set? 
see, we're that example, right? Now you are that example. You're the example of that next generation. You young ladies, you, you young men, you're the example of that next generation, along with everyone else in here. What are they going to see? Are they going to see those just doing that which is right in their own eyes, saying, well, I don't care about God? Or are they going to see Christians who love God and have a desire to serve God and recognize this is what our purpose is? Our purpose is to be the witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Our purpose is not to, not to live for this life, but to live for Jesus Christ. Because, again, this is, this is what he tells us in the book of Hebrews in that, that chapter dealing with faith and these great men and women of faith. What did they recognize? What did they recognize in Hebrews? These men and women of faith. What does it say about them? This wasn't their home, right? What, go, go to Hebrews. Look what it says. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 13. These all died in faith. Again, he's talked about Abel, he's talked about Enoch, he's talked about Noah, he's talked about Abram, he's talked about Sarah. He's going to go on and talk about Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Rahab and Joshua and all these other ones. But notice what he says in verse number 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were, what? Strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They recognize they're simply strangers and pilgrims here. This is not our home. Yeah, it's our home for a time, but this is not our permanent home, right? Our permanent home is going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ for all of eternity. And this is why Jesus says, look, you cannot serve God and mammon. And unfortunately, many Christians are living as if this is home. And that's why possessions and jobs and finances and everything is so important. And that's what they're living for because this has become their home when this was never intended to be our home. Our home is supposed to be with him. That's where our home is. It's kind of like uh, the story of uh, Naomi and Abimelech and uh, her two sons. What happened? They went, when it was a famine, they went down to Moab. Problem was, they weren't supposed to be in Moab. They said, well, we're, we're just going to stay there for a short period of time. Good intentions. But after they got there, what did they decide? Well, this is going to be home now. They took Moabite wives. They said, this is going to be home, even after they, they knew. I mean, they were there for years even after the famine had gone, they didn't go back. They stayed. It wasn't supposed to be their home. And what happened? Naomi's husband died. Her two sons died. She says, I'm, I'm, left, I'm, where, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. She says, I've got to get back where I'm supposed to be. And she left, and of course, Ruth went with her. Orpah went back. But that's so many times as Christians, we're, we're living where we're not supposed to be living. This is not supposed to be our home. And we need to recognize that our home is in heaven. That's, that's where we're going to be for all of eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
instead of living here. Our purpose is to be that witness for Christ. That's the church. That's what Israel was supposed to be. They, they left it. They lost it. And God had to set them aside. And now we have us. We're the church. We get the privilege of being the witness for Christ. It's a great privilege. As long as we keep our eyes on Christ. It's a good question. Good questions. All right. Anybody else have a very, very quick question? All right. Well, good. Very good. Um, <clears throat> well, next week, Lord willing, we'll get it back into the, uh, our study in our Sunday school about the, the reliability of the Bible. Really some, really some really interesting things we're going to be looking at um, about how we know the Word of God uh, is uh, reliable, how we know it is God's Word, and uh, some um, really, really interesting things archaeologically, scientifically, uh, some really cool stuff. I think you'll enjoy it. So um, make sure you're back next, uh, next week. All right? Well, let's go ahead and be dismissed in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the great questions tonight. And uh, Lord, help us to truly have a desire to study your word and, uh, Lord, to rightly divide it. Uh, Lord, thank you for these young people and their desire to even be in uh, colleges, Christian colleges, studying and learning. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you'd give them uh, that, that burden, that desire to serve you and to love you with their lives. And, uh, Lord, we pray for you just help us to be the right example to these young people, uh, those that are in college, those that are still in, in high school and junior high and uh, juniors and, and elementary school. Lord, uh, these that uh, are the next generation, and we need to set the right example for them and show them uh, that we love you, and it's, it's a joy to serve you and to follow you. And so, Father, I pray that you would just, uh, Lord, just bless and work in our lives. Thank you for the time we've had here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. Make sure you, uh, I hope that you plan on sticking around a little bit, fellowship together. I know the choir practice is going to be going on, but uh, fellowship together, stick around, and uh, it's been a good day. Amen.